I'm your host, Erin Groves, and this is where your positivity journey starts. Welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, Erin Groves, and I am so happy to have you tuning in once again. For everyone that tunes in each and every week, I am extremely grateful for you. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the Pop Podcast. I hope everyone had a fabulous Labor Day weekend. I know I got to fly home and spend some time with my family, which was super nice, much needed, relaxing four day weekend. And tomorrow kicks off Labor Day, and then we're back into the work week. And this week's episode, again, I know I say this every single time, but truly, it's one of my favorite episodes. The guest, who is Lou, an Olympian, coached in the Olympics, does it all. I won't, you know, spoil his intro, but he just has so many good takeaways, such good insight, and he is such a powerful speaker that I broke this episode into two. So this week's and next week, episode will both be with him, which I'm super excited about. So just note that that it is a two-part episode. And without further ado, we will jump right into the episode. And I hope each and every one of you enjoys. I am Aaron, your host, and Mike as well. Mike, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back once again. <laughs> He's back. Hopefully no one gets sick of them. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast. And this was something that Mike brought to me, a really good friend of his. And the timing couldn't have been more perfect with the Olympics just wrapping up last week, which I'm sure a lot of you out there watch that. A lot of you know good things to watch, a lot of good takeaways, especially this year. So we thought, why not have someone that went through this entire experience not long ago and has coached a few people along the way into the Olympics. So I'm going to turn it over to Mike to introduce our very special guest today. Yeah, this time I thought I'd bring a friend. So uh, I brought my buddy Lou. This is Lou Roselli. He's currently the head coach uh, at uh, Oklahoma University. Uh, last year he was Big 12 Coach of the Year. Um, probably too many accolades uh, for me to go through in a list, but I imagine we'll touch on a lot of them throughout the podcast. And then most importantly, he was a member of the 1996 Olympic wrestling team, um, which seems appropriate, as Aaron said, coming off of the Summer Olympics. Um, so with with no further ado, uh, here, here's Lou Roselli. How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the podcast. You guys can shoot some questions at me and ask me some things. You know, I know that the Olympics are just closed up a little bit, closing ceremonies. And, you know, obviously that's a, that, that was a big part of probably why you, you want me on it. I, I was lucky enough to be a part of um, one Olympic Games in 1996 as an athlete. And, and of course, I, was, I, I coached the 2012 and the 2016 Olympic Games as well. So just the procedure and how that stuff works. And so wh whatever may interest you, you can, you can kind of start hitting me with. Yeah, 2016 Olympic gold too. So that was a, it had to be a yeah, fun it, year. Yeah, no, it was exciting. You know, obviously Kyle Snyder won the Olympic gold at, uh, in 16, um, took a silver this year, uh, but outstanding. You know, he's got six medals and he was 25, 26 years old and he's got six world Olympic medals. So kudos to him for continuing on and doing a great job. And, you know, that, that's, that's fun. Once you win gold though, it's probably hard to, you know, I, I know him well enough to know that 
I mean, he's okay with silver, but he, he wants gold. That's that's just the way it up. Anybody that trains at that level, they shoot for gold. There's no other color that looks good to him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I saw something that Oklahoma posted and kind of to like take things back to the very beginning. I think a quote that struck me, and I know this is something that I talked with Mike about, is that you said that you can't push people to have a dream that's not instilled in them. And I think like you kind of just mentioned with Kyle Snyder, and I don't know if I'm quoting you, you know, directly, but from your perspective and kind of taking you back to when you were little getting into wrestling, what was your why kind of what was your dream? Was it something that you had from the time you were young and you grew into or was it something that you came into later? I always find it so interesting with people that are that successful. Where did it come from? Well, I think, I think a few things happen. I think some people, you know, they grow up watching the Olympics and, and when they're very young, they watch the, the, the games and they, once you see it on TV and, and you see it, you want it. Um, I can tell you, my dad worked in a factory. He worked at General Motors and worked his whole life. Um, so I didn't always have, you know, from a little kid on, um, you didn't always think you're going to be, you know, Olympic athlete. You didn't know how far away you were, but, but I can tell you the closer you get to that and obviously training for that, knowing what it takes and and the, the countless hours and the amount of suffering that goes into that. I understand that part of it, but you know, I was probably a little bit different because I didn't from the beginning have say, Hey, I'm going to be an Olympic athlete for, you know, uh, we had seven kids in my family, five didn't graduate from high school. So first thing was get a you know, college education, you know, and obviously do really well. And so you have to get close enough to it sometimes too. You can mm-hmm. think that you want to do being an Olympic athlete. And I know I saw a stat today that said 40% of the American people think they could be an Olympic athlete. And I started chuckling. <laughs> that just makes me laugh. You know, and I don't, that, I don't mean that to disrespectful to any person, but it's just, just, it's laughable. Not, yes. It's not a real thing when people, yeah. you, can you, when you think you can just be an Olympic athlete, that these guys suffer so much mm-hmm. and put so much time and energy into it. And sometimes it starts, like we're saying, from a kid to maybe myself, as I grew into getting closer and closer until you realize that it can, it can really happen. Um, but, I, but I would, like I said, I, I chuckle a little bit because to think that any person can think they can just be an Olympic athlete is just, it's just crazy thinking to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite uh, story, I, you can pr- just touch on this and we'll kind of go backwards is kind of when your dad's, when you were going through you know, when you made the Olympic team, you tell a story about kind of when your dad kind of got interested in your wrestling career. Yeah, well, my dad was always supportive in high school, you know, and, and in college wrestling, I was a couple hours away. So he'd, he'd make matches when he can make them, you know, but I, I don't think that I, I was third, first, second, first in high school in the state tournament. Then I went to college and I was, I won't say I was mediocre. I was fourth and third, but it wasn't what some of these guys are that won three national titles. And then when I told him I want to train for the Olympics, I'm not sure he really thought that was like, you know, I mean, I don't want to say he he shrugged his shoulders, but I would probably think that in his mind, he probably thought like all dads, okay, <laughs> this guy's <laughs> going to train for, he's going to be an Olympian, you know, you know, and, and you just don't know how close you are to something. Um, and you don't know how much drive a man has, mm-hmm. how much he's willing to suffer to do that. So I would, I, I kind of chuckled because he probably thought in his head, like my dad didn't participate in sports. So sure. Okay. Right. Yeah, You're yeah. really going to do the beat. But, uh, but I, but I'd say when I got, as you get closer and you win the U.S. Nationals, it starts becoming a little more real when, when you win the, the U.S. Open. And so I would say once I, once I got to that level, and, and my dad didn't attend the Olympic trials, and this is why some, sometimes I tell people, it's like, listen, it, it's about you. You're going for that, and I, it's great to have an incredible support system. I think those are wonderful things to have when you have a great family and they all do that. But, but I also know this. They have, they, they have 
they're not going to control the outcome. You are, especially if it's a one-on-one sport. It's about you getting geared up. Um, and I think my dad thought maybe that he was going to be a little bit of bad luck. You know, he'd come a couple of times and I'd lost in, in overtime in the summer, I said the U S open. So I think he thought he was going to be a little bit of bad luck for me, but, um, at the end of the day, I, I tell people that when their parents don't show or they're waiting for their the support system, it's like you are the listen. You got your teammates, you got your coach. You, you don't you don't need them to get it done. It, now is your time. And I, I think it's great that if you have one, having people that follow you around the country, not everybody can do that. Some people work for a living, and they just it's just not possible. You know. So I also, I mean, I think that's a I think that's a great story too because it it talks a little bit about parents these days and how like overly involved they are mm-hmm. and like a lot of their kids activities sure. and you know what that looks like and how that can be detrimental to the athlete as well. Well, it, it's okay to let your kids fail. You know, yeah, it's that. okay. And I think sometimes we think that the, you know, listen, I have three boys. I want them to be very successful. I, my number one priority is their education. Um, but I think when they're little, you always want them to be successful. So you always are helping them along the way. And sometimes you just got to get knocked down. <laughs> you got to let them fall down. You got to let them get back up. You know, and I think that that's really the, and every parent has their own way they want to do it, you know. Um, but I'd say that it's okay, you know, to let your kids make mistakes, let them screw up, let them fail a bunch of times. You'll, you'll really find out how bad they want something, right? Because yeah. people talk about wanting stuff all the time. But that's not true. When you wake up in the morning and you don't do anything about it, you don't really want it. You just say you do. And, and that's probably, and parents have pushed their kids along the way and the kid doesn't love it. And, you know, it, I can tell you just from a recruiting standpoint, I look for kids that love it. Mm-hmm. He loves it. I don't have to talk him into winning. I don't have to talk him into practice. He's going to be there. And, and, and like I said, every parent can do their own thing. But I just think that the more the kid loves it himself, not the parents, but the kid that, you know, then all of a sudden they can start making their adjustments and then you can start giving them opportunities because that's part of our job. I'm, I'm a dad. I, I want to give him good opportunities, but he's got to want it too, though. Let's not waste time and energy and money on, on things that you don't really like. That's just, let's not waste a Saturday playing soccer when you don't like it. You know, and I've had my kids play lots of sports and I can tell you, my kids sometimes know I'm not going to play in high school or college. Then what are we doing here on Saturday, wasting up my whole Saturday on, on you playing soccer that you don't like? It makes no sense to me, but but I, I err far right. Everything, you know, it's like, I don't get halfway into things. I go knee deep and I, you know, but some you're people just want deep. to be a part you're of something. Deep. Yeah. I just can't, <laughs> I can't see things on that side. I just yeah. think it's like, you wanted to be here. So let's, let's be here and be the best. And, yeah. you know, so, but everyone's a little different on that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all a little different when it comes to that, that part of it. And I think too, it, I mean, you've mentioned suffering a few times and talking about that and things that you have to give up to be at that level and kind of referring back, I think sometimes it's the parent's dream and it's not the kid's dream. It's for sure. I mean, let's just say when you get to a certain level of sport, Mm -hmm. it, it, when it's your parent's dream that usually that dies off, you get to this thing called college wrestling or college sports and how much time it takes to be in college sports. It, you know, high school is a little different. Your parents can guide you along the way and keep Mm -hmm. taking the practice and you can still be pretty successful. When you get to college and you got talent, but you're not, you're not tough and you ain't consistent, it, it makes it very difficult. And then you get to this thing called this Olympic level that you're just, we're, we're talking about. And it's, it's like, it's just your parents, it doesn't matter how much they love it for you. You can't get close to it. If you don't love it, you'll never suffer enough to get it. That's all I can say. It's not happening. When I know people say, well, you're, that's kind of pretty bold, but it, it takes so many, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just being good at something. You got, you got nutrition, you got your sleep, you, you got to have some people have supplements. There's all these things that have to take place. The, the, the amount of intensity that goes into a workout, the skill sets you got to have. So it, it's not just, oh, he's just really good. Nobody wakes up just really good at something. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. 
He's really good because he got countless. The 10,000 hour rule does apply. And they got countless hours to, to do what they're doing. And whether you like it, some work smarter, some just, just continue to keep grinding away at it. You know, they're not as smart at what they're doing, but they, but they keep grinding and they get there. They take them a little longer, but, um, but when it's their parents' dream, it usually dies off somewhere in this college thing, <laughs> right around this college level where the coach is telling you, no, we're going to work out twice a day, five, six days a week. You can't do that every day and, and have your, and, and your, have your parents love it and you hate it. <laughs> Just yeah. they'll find a reason. I've had plenty of knocks at my door. Why it's not going to, you know, I, it's not, you know, I just don't love it anymore. You know, and I know it's okay. It's not, it's okay to, to not love it. You, there, there's a lot of things you, that you can do in your life. You don't have to, that doesn't have to be in wrestling. You know, that's all I tell them. It's like, doesn't have to be getting an education. Probably priority number one. So. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think sometimes, I mean, elaborate on suffering a little more. I think from your perspective, like I was a former athlete, never got to that level. I mean, I was a kid that wanted to go to the Olympics for gymnastics. We know how that one turned out, you know, but I just think when you talk with people like you and you hear this firsthand of just, you can tell the passion in your voice and the things that you've gone through to get to where you are and half the reason that you're on the podcast. But I just think dealing with coaching and you mentioned something else in your uh, video about turning a mindset from selfish when you're an athlete into other oriented, when you're teaching others, how did you shift that mindset from being an, a very successful athlete where you had to be selfish to be at that level into becoming a coach? Well, I, I think when you talk about the suffering part of it, it's just, there, there's many ways that, that in wrestling that people are suffering from nutrition. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're on a good nutrition plan and you're lean and, and doing things the way you're supposed to do and your water intake's high, it's like, no, you got to sacrifice certain foods. You just can't eat chicken wings whenever you want. Mm-hmm. You just can't, you know, your diet's got to be right. You know, you getting, a, it's a discipline to go to sleep at a certain time mm-hmm. and wake up at a certain time. Everybody would like to watch movies until two in the morning, but being disciplined, no, he, he gets up at five every day. You know, I, I get up at five, so I, I don't go to bed at midnight, you know? <laughs> so it's a discipline to go to bed at eight or nine o'clock so I can have the energy to do what I got to do. It's discipline and, and, and training to be able to, to suffer and to warm up and get your mindset right to to focus on the things you need to focus on, the task at hand, in the moment, not after the fact, right now. And anyone knows it's ever concentrated on anything long enough, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. If you concentrate on skill sets and you're working, you don't need two hours. You do that for an hour and you're exhausted. So the suffering just can take place in anything. Hey, not go, staying in on Friday, suffering. And not, hey, not going, you know, out drinking, suffering. They just, you, you take all the things that people like to do and say, no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that either. He's disciplined here. He's disciplined there. Sleep's disciplined. So you can talk about suffering in, in many, many, many ways, in my opinion. You know, um, and when you talk about turning from an athlete to a coach, I mean, when you're an athlete, everything's about you. Mm-hmm. You know, and my wife would probably agree. If she's listening right now, she'd say, oh, no, he, he's selfish. But but when I was an athlete, that's all I thought about is is being successful and and getting my workouts and, and doing what I had to do. And, and I would pull anybody that wanted to be with me. You, you can get on this train but don't get in the way of it. If you're getting in front of it, I'm going to run you over or you can get on and, and I'm, I'm willing to help, but I'm going to be here tomorrow. D- don't mess with my training sessions. Mm-hmm. If you're, if, if we're working out together, you better be there on time. You better be there ready to work. And, and so, you know, but, but that's, but that's the selfish part of an athlete. And, and most people that are real successful, you know, they, they, they have to be selfish. Now coaching is different. Coaching's more selfless. Mm-hmm. I, I think every morning I get up, it's for someone else. When, when I go to practice in the morning, now to put people through training sessions and it's for them. 
You know, I just want them to have the same feeling and have the same opportunities that I had. And so your shift is definitely different because once it's athlete, always about me. And, you know, coaching, always about them. And, and the things that you get out of it, it's like, no, I, yes, I'm the leader of the program, but at the same time, I want them to have an opportunity that I had and I want to give them every opportunity possible to be successful. So I don't want it to come back that I didn't help you enough, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I put everything I have into them and, and for, and I say this in recruiting all the time, when it, when, when it comes to recruiting and, and the selfless part of coaching, it's like, we're working together. It's not just me tell you what to do. We got, you know, a good deal is when two people are very happy. You're happy and you like what I, what we do. You know, and I was recruiting just recently, telling the kid, here's what I'm offering. I'm going to get you an education and I'm going to give you a mountain. And when I say a mountain, a mountain of hard work, that's what I'm offering you. And if you and if that sounds exciting to you, welcome, welcome. You're sooner. You're at the right place. Right. Because if you don't want that mountain of work, you're not talented enough. Nobody is. Yeah. Very few people are that talented where they can do very little work and still be the best. Just not. In my eyes and in my view on things, my philosophy is it's not possible. And it's not because you're not, you don't have some ability. Everybody in my practice room has some sort of potential. That's why they're there. Their toughness and consistency keeps them there. But their talent, no, you're here because I thought you were talented. And I thought, I thought you had the, the ability. Now let's see if you can manage the other part of it. Yeah, that's one of the things I think actually translates well into kind of work life and successful people in work that I think is a little bit of a misnomer is that people who are successful they get up and get moving even when they don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, people that have less success tend to go, well, I just don't feel like it today, or I just don't feel like it this afternoon. And, you know, the people that are successful, they do it whether they feel like it or not, and they do it to a high level, even when they don't feel like it. And I think that's that's a theme that kind of goes through your coaching philosophy that translates, you know, hopefully for these young men, women in college sports, you know, into their careers, whatever yeah. those may be. Well, you, you know, you, you read enough stuff on feelings, you know, and people always talk about their feelings. It's like <laughs> none, none of those feelings, when it comes to sports, there, there's only one, there's only one feeling that matters. And they say it's controlled anger. Happy doesn't help sports. Sad doesn't help sports. It doesn't help. So having a controlled anger and making sure you manage it right and being able to be you know, have that focus and, you know, it is the only feeling that can, that can help your sports and for you to get the outcomes you want. So feelings it's like, now, yeah, of course, everybody's tired. Everybody's tired every day. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Of course you're tired. You, you work like an animal. I'm sure you're tired. By the end of the day, you're exhausted. You know, that's why it's like, you can't stay up that late. You get up at five. You can't, it's hard to stay up mm-hmm. till midnight. It's hard to stay up till 10. Right. <laughs> for me, 10 o'clock is, hey, listen, that's, I'm way past me, man. I'm good. <laughs> I got to get up, man. I got I got people I'm trying to help. I go to bed at nine, between nine and 930 because I wake up between five and 530 every day. And the number of times people have been like, why do you go to bed so early? And I'm like, because I, I just can't stay up that late. Even on a Friday night when I've been up since 5 a.m., I'm like, I, I just get tired. My body is exhausted. And I think it's so inspiring with discipline because I think sometimes people look at, look at that and it's transferring the mind from, from instead of suffering, some people look at like, oh, you can't go out, you can't do this versus just having diff- discipline. If you're willing to put in the work for a dream, it, the difference between those that are good and those that are great are people that are willing to work towards that dream and those that are willing to say, I was close, but I, it just wasn't in me to get to that place that I wanted to be, which you're a testament to the first of that. Yeah. And, you know, Lou, I mean, I, I don't know if you can touch on too, like, 
I always am curious what you think the difference is between, you know, some of the college accolades, and, and maybe it's the difference from high school to college, college to the Olympics, where you're an elite athlete, you know, competing on a world stage. Even for you, I mean, going from being a two-time All-American, I hope I have that right, to all of a sudden, you know, making an Olympic team, when you see guys that might have been four-time national champs, but that doesn't necessarily translate into an Olympic team member. And granted, there's only six slots on the Olympic freestyle team, one at each weight. So you're literally looking at six people, one at each weight in the entire country uh, that are making that team. So just touch on kind of the, what you think the, the difference is there. To answer your question, you know, I, I think there's a few things that come to mind when you talk about why someone that's really successful in college wrestling, you know, three or four timer doesn't make it. One, the United States, as you found out, they won five five medals. They took five people. They won five Olympic medals. Uh, it's very, very, very competitive. So now you're starting to talk about eyelashes, right? We're, we're They're in the game of eyelashes. There's one person that goes at each weight class. It's very competitive. So you can be a superstar and still be second or third. But like we're only taking one person mm-hmm. in six weight classes. So sometimes it's just like, listen, you're really good, but he's really, really good. So I, I first start with saying the competitive level of, of the competition. That's why I kind of scoff a little bit when 40% of the people think they can make an Olympic team. It's like, we right. got guys that have done this their whole life and they mm-hmm. can't make it. People that work out twice a day and they, this is, they live their whole life around it. So one, being very competitive. Two, I think um, some people just aren't in the right environment. You got to have the mm-hmm. right coach, the right environment and the right training partners to make that happen. That is smart enough. That can help you. That, that can make sure that you do all the work. That like when I was at Ohio State and I ran that RTC, it's like, no, we, we had a system and I didn't really care. You know, you could have been, you could be the Olympic champion. You could be an Olympian or you could have been Logan, who was a four-timer. It's like, everybody's going to do X amount of work, the workload. So I just think that being around the right people will make the difference. It's, it's kind of like when they say you're a composite of five people hang around. Mm-hmm. Well, your coach better have some skill sets that, that can help you grow and make you better. And at that level, like I said, it's a game of eyelashes. So being a little bit better will make a difference, you know? So, you know, and having um, the training partners that can help you, you know, get to that certain, that next level of wrestling is going to help you. So I think all those things combined and let's not forget luck. Like I attribute some things to luck. He, some people, you listen, it, you know, I, I've had plenty of guys that made world or Olympic teams that were like, you know, it was one match to one match and they're going for in the, in the series to go into match three. And it was one period to one period. And he made the, he made the world team on a coin flip guys. And so that's just, hey, listen, what happened? I got lucky, man. He's as good as me, but I'm going, he's not. And, and so it just depends. Depends on your weight class. And like I said, when you, when I'm in 1996, I, there was 10 weight classes. Now there's six. We had a, we had world champions and Olympic champions that didn't make the team this year. So it, it's really, you really got to be on your A game that day. You know, you let, so the, the other component to, to, to it would probably be, you did everything right. You're good enough. And on game day, you can't botch the execution, right? You know, whether you make weight wrong. So there's all these other little things that go into it. It's like, no, he wasn't ready. He didn't warm up right. Didn't he have enough nutrition? Didn't, you know, some yeah. other things like you, you didn't, you did everything you were supposed to do. And then on game day, you, you might, you might make an error when it might cost you. It might be, a, it might be a very costly thing. So I think there's a lot of things that go into that when you say he's really good, but that level of wrestling, everybody's really good. All the, all the kids, it's kind of like college wrestling. 
You know, when, when I get to college wrestling, all the kids you wrestle in high school, 98% of them don't participate anymore. You have 200 matches. There's only about two or three of those kids that ever wrestle in college. And then you take the next, you know, now he wrestles in college. Now, what, is he elite enough to wrestle at the next level? So as you, as it funnels down to that, or gets to that little tipping point, it's like, guys, are, it's only a select few that, that can, that can be a part of that, that are going to get close enough to that, that can even remotely even do that. So when you ask, you know, the differences, there's probably a lot of them and, you know, getting good enough, having the right coach. Um, it's very competitive in our country, but I think there's a lot of things that go into that and, and your work ethic, who's going to make, who's going to make sure you do all the work, you know? Um, and you like to think, you know, Olympians, it's like, no, I, I, I'll do it. I'm, I'm, nobody makes it on their own. They always have, you know, they, they always have people, coaches and people that are always helping them along the way to make sure that they're making progress, evaluating them, looking at the video, making sure they do the little things. It's always the details. The success is in the detail. It, it's not in the, the big picture. Most people that are good at sports, they, they get the big picture. It's the detail that's going to make the difference, I think. So surrounding yourself with people that are like that and built like that that love it enough to, to put time and energy into you, that'll help. So I, I don't know if I got exactly the, the, the answer, but that's kind of what comes to mind when you say, what's the differences? Difference, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of those parallels, it seems mm -hmm. like kind of in, you know, in a work life, in a business life, <clears throat> success too, you know, where work comes into play, luck comes into play. You know, I've said this in the past, not to repeat, but, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you get up every day and you do everything you can, you're going to end up, successful, what that success will look like monetarily, freedom, whatever it is that you are shooting for, you're going to hit a range of it. And I think in wrestling, you're kind of talking about the same thing, you know, but sure. sometimes the guy that makes more money than you or whatever ends up doing it by a coin flip, you know, yeah. a little luckier, something Just else happened. Yes. As you used to say, like Caught a break. slipped on a banana peel, you know, yes, it happens. <laughs> Caught a break. Happens, you know? right. No, and, and, and in sports, you know, I think when you're really chasing, obviously you're chasing, you, you want to win gold, but you're, you're chasing the best version of you. Well, what, mm. what's that going to look like, right? For some people, it's an Olympic champ. Some people, it's Olympian. Some people, it's a state champ. And some people, hey, man, the dude, he, he qualified for the nationals. And that, yeah. he did everything he possibly could. If you, some of my best coaching jobs I've ever done, it's like, you know, and I've been lucky because, you know, I, I've, I was able to coach a lot of people that had been, I think when I was at Ohio State, we probably had 18 to 20 World Olympic team members. Someone went on and won gold, some bronze medal, you know, but if at the end of the day, you know, the best version of who they are, the best coaching job I ever did was probably someone that just placed at the nationals. You know, it's just, he just, he took eight, but it was everything we did to get him in that, in that role. It was you know, absolutely it was a monster. Yeah, that, that was the best game. thing I ever did. Yeah. These guys all had that ability. They all could move up the chain. Some people are just like, it's not, I don't want to say it's not possible because it's there's always a, a way. But like I said, when it comes to the coaching part, I think of that was a monster coaching job compared to coaching Kyle Snyder, who was a star. He never right. lost in high school. Like you go back and look mm -hmm. at the things like, you know, Kyle never lost in high school. You know, he was, you know, he took second at the NC champions and was a world champion as a freshman. Like it's, that's a little bit different pedigree than, then deal with somebody that's like, no, he's been, he's been here three or four years and hasn't qualified once for the nationals. And now, now we're just trying to get him up on a stand, you know, so he can be happy with his wrestling career. So it all depends how you look at it, I guess. Yeah. I in the difference between, I think from your perspective, coaching someone that are not someone coaching two different people from 
to, you know, you see a Kyle Snyder that's on your team. It's like, okay, this guy's obviously gifted. He's got a lot going for me. He's never lost. From a mental standpoint, I know this is something that you also mentioned in the past. It's, you know, there's a physical aspect and then there's the mental aspect. And especially for the people out there listening, it transfers into all aspects of life. But from your perspective as a coach, how do you, and we saw this firsthand with Simone Biles in the Olympics, from your perspective, how important is it mentally and what do you do to help your athletes to get into the right place to perform at that level? Well, I think the first thing that I, I think about when you ask that question is, is first thing, coaching, the coach, the athlete has to have, a, we have to have an incredible amount of trust. Mm-hmm. I have to trust you. You have to trust me, you know? And, and I think as you build your relationships with your, with your athlete to know what they're capable of doing, and, you know, you start to get a little bit of understanding of who they are and who you are and, and expectations and standards. But, but I would tell anybody this, your mind is your engine. And when you have a, when you have a great mind, great things can happen. When you have, when you have a bad, when, you, when your mind is broken and it doesn't think like that, you, you got to have an incredible belief system in what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, and if you don't have that, it, it makes it very difficult for you to be at that elite standard. You know, it's like, guys, you don't really believe that because you know, they, I, I read this long time ago. It said, you know, when you talk about elite people, they ask two questions, what do you want and what do you believe? You know, everyone knows what they want because that's easy goals. But when you talk about what you believe, they say that if you don't really believe it, you won't do all the work required to get it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that, so your mind is so important. It's, it, it's an important part of, you talk to Mike about business. He'd probably say it's the same. It, it ain't much different. What you think you can do and how you're going to do it and, and the way things you're going to operate to make that happen and what changes are you going to do. You can't keep doing the, the same things over and over again. Things going to work out mm-hmm. and have the same poor, poor mindset. You know, so, you know, what you read and what you, who you hang around with and what you watch on TV and, and the things that you, your mind, you go through in your, your affirmations in your mind, they, they do matter. And, and when you have that great engine, but you don't let elite people don't let piss poor people uh, give them information that they, they, they hang on to. They just don't, they, they have their system and, and, you know, and, and what they read and how they believe and what, why they believe that, you know, and what they want to do. The elite people are very, they don't let people get in, inside that head. They, they, they have their own way of doing things, you know, and, and what they read and how they operate certainly matter. And I'd say this, I'm in the business of watching people stand out and, um, you watch practice, I'd look for who stands out and who doesn't, you know, and um, and if you go to any practice, I mean, Mike could come to practice and find out who, who stands out because mm-hmm. you look at people the same way and then see who looks different. Not, not the same. And that's what that's what we're looking for in, in college sports is who looks different, you know, and, and who can do the work and who's got that right engine for themselves since that, you know, will be successful at the next level. We kind of recruit towards that Olympic level. I would say I also find it interesting that even some of the standouts, like when you see a standout Mm -hmm. and they in, in the, in a tournament, in a room, you have to evaluate a lot of other things. I imagine too, family grades, you know, because it seems like there's with all recruiting, you know, a fair amount of mistakes, I guess, on kind of the, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm looking more at performance and that's not necessarily what you mean by standing out, but uh, you know, what are some of the other aspects you look at when recruiting to make sure that they, you know, fit? Yeah. Well, I think that when, when you go to a tournament, you, you can, it's easily, it's easy to fall in love with, with um, someone's performance. You watch them one time and you think they got it. 
They're like, they look so, you know, like when they're competing, they look so good. And then you turn around and, you know, but there, there are other aspects that you're looking at. When I tell people our core values are pretty simple. Education is usually number one, work ethic, number two, you know, your character is three. So, but, but I still have to look at their academics. Can they get into school here? Do they value education? Is that, are we just wasting time? Because if you have them for one year and they don't make it, it's just, it, it's not good for me either. I need you to, I need to be all in. And then you, I, you have to want to get an education as well. But I think the one thing that, that you'd never know is one, how bad somebody wants something. You don't know what they're really willing to suffer and, and, and do to get it. That, and, and, and so you don't know what they're willing to give up in their work ethic. So everybody looks great, but did they tell you that he doesn't really like to practice? <laughs> did right. they tell you that Oops. he has Let these habits out. outside of wrestling that, that they, it, they don't really collide with what you do? He don't yeah. like to be on time. I'm a nut about time. You know, when people are late, I, listen, I'm the first one. I'm like the teacher. I'm the first one waiting. You're late. If I'm a no, no, you're late. You know, so there's things that I want people to fit this, our system too. So even if you're really good and you don't fit, it's like, eh, he doesn't really fit. He's really good. And then, then you start looking at all the other things. Then you start asking around. Then you start trying to figure out. Then you watch him practice. And, and so there's other things that go on too. It's just not, you don't just win a high profile tournament and go like, he's so good. We got to have, him. because right. it, 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 and trust me, out of every 10 kids I, I recruit, two or three of them make it through. That's wow. just the reality of college sports, 20 or 30%. You know, so a lot of people don't make it. And so moms and dads just don't know that. It's like, no, there's lots of people that just don't make it because they, they decided they didn't like school. They got, they had other issues, you know, the distractions. There's a lot of distractions for young people these days, but, but you're trying to, I'm trying to attract the people that think like me, that want to be an Olympic athlete, that think like that, that the byproduct of winning, you know, at the, the Olympic level is winning a couple of national titles. And, and so it's easy to, to suffer twice a day when you want to be an Olympic athlete. Your, your eyes set on, you mm -hmm. know, Kyle Snyder right from the get go was set on trying to make the world team freshman year. Most people aren't even thinking like that. They're just trying right. to get their, their feet with, with college wrestling. So having that vision, people that like, again, he never lost in high school. It, it's much easier to have that when, you know, you're that expectation of yourself, you know, and, and he had some, he had a couple setbacks, but very few that first year, but you go from taking second to NCAA tournament to being a world champion for three or four months later, it's like, wow, that's, that just tells you. And because I was a part of those, I saw, I saw how much he suffered. I saw how hard he could work. Mm -hmm. I saw what he was willing to give. And you just, sometimes you just don't know that in a recruit, you just don't know. I mean, until you watch him practice and you go, wow, we got a diamond in the rough right there. I, I had no idea he was going to be that tough. Right. No idea that he can endure that much. And so, and, and then I, we have other kids that sometimes like, no, really gifted, but doesn't like to feel that, that, that pain threshold, you know, that doesn't like to feel fatigue. So just depends. And, um, and you deal with both, you got to deal with both. So that's just, that's just part of the, the, that recruiting process and getting the right fit. You know, you don't want, I, I don't want a, a kid that doesn't fit our protocol, you know, because it, it just won't work. They'll hate me. If, mm -hmm. if you love to work out, oh, he's a great spot. If you don't like to train, it's probably not a good spot anymore. 20 to 30%. Wow. That is, I did not know that. That's, in, I mean, I guess if you think about it, there's young kids coming in and it's kind of the underdog mentality. I think you see a lot of times with people that have had so much success and Kyle Snyder's, you know, the opposite of this, I have never lost. And then they get into, you know, the next level and then they start to lose. And it's almost like a wake up call. And a lot of them, you see a lot of them start quit or they fail 
because they're yeah. not they're not used to losing in their mindset. It's an ego thing. And I, know, I also, yeah. also saw that you retweeted something that was talking about things to kind of let go of on your team. And on that, there's a list of seven things. And one of them was ego. And that's something that I've been working on personally. And I, I see it a lot professionally. So touch on that a little bit and how you navigate that in such an intense environment where egos, it's very high. Well, what you find, especially in college wrestling, when, you're, when they, you have to kind of check your ego at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, what practice is about when you, when you come to wrestling practice, it's about your effort. It, you know, I'm not worried about you. You don't. You're not gonna. You're not winning anything at practice. All you're, you're trying. You're working on performance and getting better. And and it's about your effort and how hard you're trying and and your concentration and how long you can stay focused. And and so there's other things. But when you let your ego get in the way of practice and you're working out with someone equally as good as you and nothing's happening, it's like you're not really getting better. Mm-hmm. You, 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 there's no scoring that takes place. I mean, nobody wants to. You know, you go through a whole practice and nobody, neither one of you score. It's like. You, you didn't make the improvements you needed to. You got to take, you know, to be successful, you got to take risks. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest part when it comes to ego. It's like you, you take, very, you take fewer risks when, when you got a huge ego mm-hmm. and practice, but you're trying to you just, but you think it's impressing me that you didn't, nobody scored. And I'm going, I'm looking at the other way. Just, I don't, I don't care if they score on you, but if he gets one score, you get three scores. That's all you got to think about. Just putting more points up, trying to do more things, trying more things. So the ego really gets in the way until you, until you learn that practice is about your effort. And when you have a really good effort every day and that consistency of that, then all of a sudden growth will start happening. So you might start off and you might take a couple beatings. I mean, everybody that's been in wrestling has taken a beating. I don't care who you are. We've all taken enough beatings to understand, but they come back. Keep showing up, keep working hard at it, keep trying to put points on the board, be aggressive. There, there's a way that a good wrestling match you know, will look even for the fans that don't like wrestling, it's like, no, there's a way that it looks that you're like, wow, I enjoyed watching him. He's very aggressive. He was intense. And, and, and it's fun to watch. And the more you're around that mentality, the easier it is for it to come out. Um, so the ego can, is definitely an issue when it comes to your high profile high school wrestler mm-hmm. and you come to college wrestling practice and, and you're new and you don't want people to score on you. And you want, you know, you got something, you're protecting something. It's like, but yeah, I'm looking at the other way. I, there's nothing to protect. You ain't won enough. And I know that in high school wrestling, some are three timers and four timers and two timers, and and it's they're all really successful. But we're trying to jump jump levels. So I need I need them to be getting tune with putting points on the board and, and checking that ego at the door. And it's about their effort and scoring as many points as you can. And and it should be fun. I mean, in wrestling. It, the thing that hurts people the most is they stop having fun. Mm-hmm. And when you stop having fun when it comes to sports, you usually don't do that well. When everything's a pain to do from the training to the nutrition. It's like, no, he stopped having fun. He's not growing anymore. He's not going to get better because he kind of doesn't want to be here and nobody gets good if they don't want to be there. So, you know, checking that ego and letting yourself get the, the maximizing your potential. You know, you have to check that ego at, at some level. And I'm going to pick on Mike here for a second because I always say hard work beats talent when talent isn't working hard. I've always loved that quote and it rings true in all aspects of life. And Mike always says, I think hard work is a little overrated, but I think you're, I mean, a true testament to not all of that not being true, but it's showing up every single day and putting in the work for something that you love. And I know I struggle with this, especially with when times, you know, if the podcast getting hard or whatever it is in everyday life, if you really, really want something and it's something that you're passionate about, something that you love, you're going to do anything in your power to get to that point. I still think hard work's overrated. (laughs) (laughs) I just think your environment has to be right. That's more my thing. I mean, I probably mischaracterize it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you can work smart and still listen. We yeah. can still get the same amount done if you're smart about some people 
some people are like a slinky and some people are A to B, you know, yeah. you can still work smart yeah. and, and, and make sure you make progress. But if you don't have the consistency and of mm-hmm. what you're doing, it's probably going to be very difficult at some level, you know, to, to be where you really want to be. I mean, that's why they talk about the process so much. That's why people get so knee deep in it, you know, but I will say this, you can, you can win along the way. <laughs> you can yeah. still get it done along the way. Let's not act like you have to get smoked a bunch of times for it to start happening. Well, you know, one but, of the one of the things that you do that you're doing well, I mean, you're creating that environment, right? Yeah. Different environment, shitty room, shitty coach, same work ethic that happens in the environment that you create. Results are completely different. And I know there's the little farmer quote, you know, the two farmers and they both work equally as hard, but one's he plants on a bed of rocks, the other one's got the most fertile soil in, you know, the entire countryside. And you know, who comes out ahead? Quite yeah. frankly, I think the guy who, you know, worked <laughs> half as hard with the great soil <laughs> is probably. So and I think environment plays a big role yeah. and I don't want to poo-poo sure. uh, hard work, but. No, for sure. I mean, your environment certainly does. That, yeah. You know, and, and that's why, you know, that's what the Olympic program Aaron, for that's college what you on me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's why that, 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 that matters, right? The college, they're all looking at these RTCs, Mike, because of, because of what you're saying, because culturally. Yeah. They're looking at their, they're, they're paying people to, to train with their guys so they can grow the fastest. Yeah. It's really simple, but you still got to have the resources, still got to have people that, that want to give to that, to your Olympic program. You know, it attracts the recruits. It makes your culture better. It, your guys wrestle with elite guys out of the gates, you know, that have won national titles and been on world teams. And so that's, you know, all you're talking about, is that culture does matter. Yeah. And it probably matters in everything from any business you talk about to, mm-hmm. to any wrestling program, culture. and and I say this all the time for my team. It's like, no, I can harp on all I want until my team decides the people internally that do it, you know, that, that handle things internally. No, you guys handle that. You should be telling them culturally. We know that that's not how it happens here. And if you didn't do anything about it, then it's on you. But if it's culture is always a big factor in being successful. Yeah. Culture environment. And for those of you who don't know, the RTC is a regional training center for kind of the uh, Olympic athletes. Olympic athletes. Yeah. So yes. it's funded and they get paid and the coaching staff gets paid there. And that's where they, they train. And most of them are associated with associated slash not associated with the yeah. colleges. It's a separate entity, but they're integrated, right? They, so, yeah, so that's the easiest way to put like it. They're that. separate, but integrated and trained with your college team and have coaching and have all the same things that will get a stipend. So that's, and then they've been a huge factor when it comes to this, you know, USA wrestling and the Olympics. Thank you all for tuning in to part one of Lou's episode. I hope to see everyone back for next week's episode. As always, rate, review, and subscribe. Feedback I absolutely love and appreciate. And again, thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you back next week. Thanks.